Good morning, Moberly. Good to be with you. And I want to invite you to take God's Word and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And as you're doing that, let me just say again, thank you for allowing me the privilege to preach God's Word to you uh, this weekend. I feel very at home. I grew up right down the road, Bossier City, Louisiana. And so uh, my parents, uh, they're here this morning. And they, you know, growing up, it was a big deal for the family we would, to go out. We would come to Longview every now and then because y'all had the only Target in the area. And so we'd go to Target, and then we'd eat at the butcher shop. And so today we're going to eat at the butcher shop again. Uh, don't be rushing out of here and make me wait on my hamburger. But uh, we're going to eat there and uh, love uh, this church. Uh, I want you to know you're a one prayed for church. And I really believe that God's uh, best days that he has for you are ahead of you. And uh, you hit the jackpot in calling uh, Dr. Bryant Wright as your interim pastor. I told him, uh, spoke with him this week, and I texted he and Pastor Johnny Hunt this morning. I said, I'm living the dream. I can't believe that I get to lead hit off uh, for you and, and Johnny Hunt and Bryant Wright. And I said, my, my job today, my only goal is to get on base because they'll knock me in. Uh, you got great pastors coming up uh, in the next few weeks to preach, and uh, Bryant will be such a great leader uh, during this time. Uh, I've been in Dallas for 20 years. Uh, I, w- I went to school at Washington Baptist University. I would have gone to ETB, but it was a little too close to home, all right? I needed a little bit more separation from mom and dad. And so I went to Washita and uh, graduated there and went immediately to Dallas. I served as an intern at Prestonwood and then as the college and young singles pastor. I did that for a number of years, nine years. The last 10 years I've served in this teaching pastor role and absolutely love our church. Uh, The church has been very, very good to me. I met my wife there. Uh, We have four girls, count them, all right, one, two, three, four. I tell people I'm the president of my own sorority house, all right, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I went for that third one to be a boy, and dang if I didn't get two more girls out of the deal, all right. So uh, 15, 12, two eights, people say, are you done? I say, absolutely, all right, God's taught me my lesson, I'm done. And so uh, when I had the invitation uh, to come on, on Saturday night, stay the night, to wake up here to preach, Anytime I'm invited to go anywhere and stay overnight, it doesn't matter where it is, I take that invitation, all right? Get away from that drama. And so I came over last night and uh, here this morning and uh, really grateful uh, to open up uh, God's Word with you, Mark chapter 10. Uh, Ever since I was a little boy, uh, I have loved reading. I mean, whether it was Green Eggs and Ham or whether it was the Hardy Boys mystery novels. I've loved to read, and it's just a hobby of mine. Uh, You can see on my bedside, if I took a picture, there'd be about 15 books that I'm reading through right now. It can be anything on leadership development, church growth. Uh, I love American history. Uh, My favorite genre to read is biographies. I love reading biographies, specifically of men and women who lived for God, who did great things for God. And I read one a couple of summers ago by the title of Her Heart Can See. And it's the life story of the great hymn writer, Frances Crosby. You probably know her as Fanny Crosby. Her story is amazing. At six weeks of age, she was blinded due to a doctor's error. About a year after that, her father passed away, and so she was raised by a mother and a grandmother who loved the Lord. And they would take God's word, and they would read 
portions of Scripture over Fanny, large portions of Scripture, and help her memorize God's Word. And it just got in her heart as a little girl, and it changed her life. Into her adult years, she was a prolific poet and hymn writer, wrote some 9,000 poems and hymns. She was so good that when she submitted her hymns to the editors of the hymnal, they made her write under a pseudonym so that all the songs wouldn't be from one person. That's how good she was. If you grew up in the Baptist church, you know the songs that she's written, Blessed Assurance, To God Be the Glory, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, great songs. My favorite is no doubt inspired, she wrote it, no doubt inspired by the passage that we're looking at today in Mark chapter 10. It's called, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. And I want to read you some of the lyrics. It says this, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief, kneeling there in deep contrition. Help my unbelief. Trusting only in thy merit, would I seek thy face? Heal my wounded, broken spirit. Save me by thy grace. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, the title of the message today is The Power of a Pause. The Power of a Pause. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46, the Bible says this, and they came to Jericho, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I want us to begin by noting first that Jesus meets a man in need. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Earlier in Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 34, he's very open with his disciples about what awaits him in Jerusalem, that he's going and he will be arrested and delivered over to the priest. He's going to give his life. What we just celebrated in the taking of the Lord's Supper, that was what was going to take place in Jerusalem. But before he gets to Jerusalem, the last major city that you get to on your way to Jerusalem is Jericho. It's about 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem. If you ever wondered, why on earth do they put maps in the back of the Bible? This is it. So you can see exactly where Jesus traveled. And Jericho at the time of Jesus was a, a large city, nearly 100,000 uh, people population-wise. It was uh, known as Herod's winter home. There was an entertainment district 
there, a large theater, and it was actually known, uh, the, the word Jericho, it means it's city of roses. It, it's a, known as a fragrance because when you would walk into the city because of all of the different roses, because of the many palm trees that filled the air, uh, they just called it uh, Jericho, which again means fragrance. Now the Bible doesn't tell us how long Jesus was in Jericho. It just says he was passing through. We know it was at least two days uh, because one day he spent with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the wee little man. And then evidently on his way out of town, uh, he's passing by, and this is the encounter we have between him and Bartimaeus. Now I want you to keep in mind, uh, Jesus is at rock star status. Uh, This is the climax of his ministry. For three years, he's invested into his disciples. He's healed people of diseases. He's casted out demons. The scripture tells us that he has challenged the teachings of the religious leaders. He teaches with one as authority. Nobody could really wrap their mind around who this Jesus was. And the latest miracle that he performed was that he raised a dead man, Lazarus, up from the grave. And so no doubt about it, word traveled fast. People wanted to see this miracle-working rabbi. And so it's no wonder in verses 46 and 47, it makes perfect sense that the Scripture tells us a great crowd was around Jesus. Now, there was, it was gaining traction that this could be the Messiah. Now, they thought it was a political Savior, but they thought maybe this really is the Messiah, and we're talking about a massive sea of people gathered around Jesus as he's just passing through Jericho. And anybody that wanted to see him was going to get a glimpse of Jesus that day. Everybody but one person. And it's not because he didn't want to see. It's because he couldn't see. His name, Bartimaeus. He's described in verse 46 Simply as a blind beggar. Now, I can't imagine something much worse in life than not being able to see physically, being blind. I mean, just think about it. Many of you, you've traveled to the mountains for vacation. You know what it's like to stand at the base of a mountain and look up and just see the grandeur, the majesty, to look up into the midnight sky, see the stars, just the unbelievable creation of God. Or maybe you've gone to the beach and you stood on the shores of the beach and you looked out over the horizon and you've seen a sunset or a sunrise. Beautiful. Just imagine not being able to see these things. That's Bartimaeus. Not only can he see, he's poor, can't work. And so just think about it, just dependent upon the mercy of other people for the most basic needs in life. Find a restroom, get your clothes on. Where do you go? Who's going to put you down? To Where do you know where to sit so that you can beg where the most people are coming? Not a whole a lot more helpless and hopeless in life than this blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And isn't it interesting? You read Mark's account here in verse 46. He includes this small little detail. He says that Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. 
Luke tells this same story in his gospel, Luke chapter 18. He doesn't even mention Bartimaeus' name, and he's the detailed physician. He doesn't even mention Bartimaeus' name, nor does he mention that he's the son of Timaeus. And so just think with me, why would Mark go to the trouble of not only telling us who this man's name was, but telling us that he's the son of Timaeus? Maybe it's just... Mark's way of getting us to slow down. To understand that Bartimaeus was a real person. He had real needs in his life. Not to, not to be like the crowd that just passes him by, but instead to just slow down for a moment. Maybe Mark included it just so we today could just slow down just for a moment and just realize Bartimaeus was a real person. He had a family. He was someone's son, maybe someone's brother. He had real need in his life. Keep in mind, they didn't have a welfare system at the time. There was no Red Cross, no charity work going on, no social security. Again, this man was in about as helpless and hopeless situation as one could get. So maybe Mark just giving us this small details just for us today to not just look past him to his condition but instead to just slow down and realize this was a real man who had real needs. Maybe we would just consider his situation and care because it's clear that the crowd that day surrounding him they didn't care. Look at verse 47 and 48. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Now, this is a scream. It's a guttural shout. Uh, Mark chapter 5 uses this same word in the original language uh, describing a man who Jesus confronted who had demons. And when he casted the demons out, they shrieked the exact same word. John uses it in Revelation chapter 12 to describe a woman in labor. That's screaming, y'all. So loud scream here. Notice what he screams, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now just notice some interesting points right here. He hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. That's not what he screams. He screams, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is a messianic term. This is a term of royalty. Bartimaeus in this moment is expressing his faith. We don't know how he put two and two together, but he figured out that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, the son of David. And in this moment, he expresses his faith. I wonder how he how he came to that conclusion. The Bible doesn't tell us. We can only use our imagination. Maybe he was, he was like Fanny Crosby. Maybe he had someone in his life that would read large portions of Scripture over him when he was young. Maybe he had a mom and a grandmom that would read the Old Testament prophets. Maybe they read words like this, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 18 and 19. In that day... They'd say, Bartimaeus, in that day when the Messiah comes, 
The deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. Maybe his mother and grandmother said to Bartimaeus, one day when the Messiah comes, the blind is going to see, the poor is going to exult in mankind. Maybe he had a friend that loved him and cared for him and was looking for the Messiah with him. His friend would be the one that would take him to the to, to where he would put his cloak down and beg for alms and make sure that he was there where the most amount of people would come by. Help him get food and meet his basic necessities of life. And maybe they're looking for the Messiah together. And maybe one day his friend runs up to Bartimaeus and says, Bartimaeus, you're not going to believe that. You remember what we heard about that rabbi in Nazareth who stood up and he quoted the scriptures? Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And maybe his friend said, Bartimaeus, you're not going to believe that, but this Jesus that said that at a synagogue in Nazareth, he's coming to Jericho today. And maybe his friend just put him right on the path where Jesus would walk through. And when you hear the crowds, Bartimaeus, you don't let anything get in your way. You just scream out and you get the Son of God's attention. We don't have any idea how Bartimaeus came to the conclusion that Jesus of Nazareth was the son of David, the Messiah. But we know one moment he is screaming for money, and the next moment he is screaming for mercy. And I'm telling you, on this day, a blind man saw more clearly than anyone else in the crowd. And he cries out. You think the people care? No way. Scriptures say they rebuked him, telling him to be quiet, silence. Bartimaeus, you're not important. A blind beggar, a nobody. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Maybe you're here today and you don't think Jesus has time for you. You're going through a tough situation in life and you think, man, he's the creator of the universe. He's got an election to worry about. He ain't got to worry about me. Or maybe with COVID-19 hitting, we see that mental illness is on the rise, depression on the rise, anxiety on the rise, suicide on the rise. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you're thinking, Jesus doesn't have time for me. And I'm telling you, if this passage teaches us anything, it teaches us that Jesus has time for you. He has time for nobodies. Just like Bartimaeus. Just like me. Just like you. He has time. Interesting. Jesus meets a man in need. And then look what happens. He meets the need of the man. Now this crowd is not going to keep Bartimaeus from Jesus. I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, Bartimaeus isn't going to let it happen. Number two, Jesus isn't going to let it happen. First of all, Bartimaeus, he isn't shutting up. They rebuke him in the first part of verse 48, but look at the second part of verse 48. He cried out all the more. 
Bartimaeus' cry was loud, persistent, insistent. I mean, just a point of application today. You want to know how to make your request known to the Lord? You don't have to shout all the more. He hears you. But like Bartimaeus, it needs to be persistent. It needs to be spoken out. It needs to be requested. The Bible says, James chapter 4, verse 2, you have not because you ask not. And so Bartimaeus, he's, he's asking. No way was he going to let his predicament or the rebuke of a crowd keep him from expressing his need to Jesus. Bartimaeus wasn't going to allow it, and neither was Jesus. Because look at verse 49. I love this. This is where the whole passage, it, it, it hinges on three words in verse 49. It changes right here. Look at what the Scripture says. And Jesus, what? Stopped. And Jesus stopped. Are you kidding me? And this is the title of the message, The Power of a Pause. And Jesus stopped. The cry of a blind beggar, a nobody, stopped deity in his tracks. Now, for the life of me, I don't know how Jesus heard this in the midst of a crowd. Hundreds, maybe thousands gathered around him that day. And he hears the cry of this one man, this one man in need. I don't know how he did it. I liken it to my wife. Sometimes we're watching TV downstairs. I'm into it, man. Got my show on. All of a sudden, my wife will say, hey, hey, hit pause for a minute. What are you, what are you talking about? I'm watching this show. Hit pause for a minute. And we'll hit pause, and sure enough, we'll hear some, one of our little girls crying upstairs. We'll hear the faint sounds of a death scream upstairs. <laughs> I didn't hear it. I'm into the movie. I'm, I, I didn't hear it, but you know what? Mama heard it. You know why? Because mama always hears the cries of her children. And you want to know why Jesus heard Bartimaeus in the midst of a crowd of people that day? Because Jesus always hears the cries of his children. Always, always, always. Look at verse 49. He stops and he said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. In other words, you have won the lottery, Bartimaeus. Jesus is calling you. Come on down. Uh, all of us uh, carry these cell phones around these days. Some of you may be checking your fantasy football team right now before the noon kickoff, all right? I get it. Um, Somebody texts you, you look at it, you got your news alerts, and you know how it is when these phones, if they ring, you look at them, and if it's an important call, you're going to take that call. I mean, you, you see the name, you see the, the, the face, and if it's important, you take that call. My wife calls me, I'm taking that call. Uh, employer, your boss calls you, you're taking that call. If it's not an important call, you know, just a number comes up. I see Taylor Bailey over here. He's a member of your church. We went to Washita together. I mean, if his name comes up, I call block, all right? No, I'm just, 
I'm just kidding, Taylor. Uh, but you know how it is, right? If it's not important, you just call block. Don't look at me all pious. You call block, right? You ignore it if you don't know the number. Well, this day, Bartimaeus gets this call. He ain't call blocking Jesus. He answers that call, and look at verse 50. He's so excited, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, when you study this passage of Scripture, most scholars that you read point out a couple of things. They note this is probably the most valuable thing that Bartimaeus owned. The cloak would have been the piece of garment that he would lay out on the dusty ground when he was collecting alms. That cloak he would have covered up with in the cold winter months living there in Jericho. It was the most valuable thing that he owned. And notice what he does. He throws it off. Symbolic of two things. First, he's leaving his old way of life. It's exactly what we do when we come to know Christ. We throw off the old man and we put on the new man. We're a new creation and we go toward Jesus. Secondly, he is expressing his faith. He's already confessed it with his mouth. And that's where salvation happens, when we confess the Lord with our mouth. He has said, you are the son of David. But now he is expressing himself in action by coming to Jesus. He believes in his mind and in his heart that what he wants from God is as good as done. And he gets to Jesus and look at what he asked of him. Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. The NIV puts it like this, Rabbi, I want to see. A very complex need, a very simple ask. You got a complex need here today? A relationship in need of restoration? You don't see Anyway, it's going to happen. Diagnosis of a doctor, not a favorable test. You don't know what you're going to do. Financial hardship, it's a complex need. How does it begin to get answered? A very simple ask. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus meets a man in need. He meets the need of the man. And then watch this. Jesus changes the man forever. Look at verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The word well there, it's an interesting word. It's the same word that we use in the scriptures, the word healed. It's the same word. Are you ready for this? It's the same word as the word saved. Jesus says, Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. It has healed you. It has saved you. Commentator James Morrison puts it like this. Bartimaeus' physical restoration was also a manifestation of what was occurring spiritually inside of him. Jesus meets a man in need. Meets the need of the man. And he changes this man forever. And I love his exchange. He says, go your own way. And the end of verse 52 says, and he, Bartimaeus, followed him on the way. Luke's account puts it like this, Luke chapter 18, verse 43. And immediately he, Bartimaeus, recovered his sight and followed him, Jesus, glorifying God. In other words, Jesus changes this man's life, and he says, Bartimaeus, go your way. And Bartimaeus says, Jesus, you changed your life. Your way is my way. 
and he followed him. And you read church history. Tradition tells us that Bartimaeus followed Jesus that day all the way to Jerusalem. He was a witness to the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And church tradition tells us that he became a leader in the early church in Jerusalem until the day he died. A man's life is changed forever. Now, what's the application? Very quickly, let me give it to you because here's here's the reality. You and me run into, have conversations with people like Bartimaeus every single day. They're in your schools. They're in your workplaces. They're in your neighborhoods. Some of them are in your families. They're, they, they're just like Bartimaeus. Oh, they might not be physically blind, but spiritually, if they don't know Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the God of this age has blinded the minds and hearts of unbelievers to keep them from coming to a knowledge of truth. If they don't know Jesus, they're spiritually blind, much worse than physical blindness. We run into blind beggars every day. Oh, they might have resources. They might be wealthy according to the world standards, but if they don't know Jesus, there's a soul poverty there that only God can meet. And every day we come into people just in contact with people just like Bartimaeus. And so the question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to be like the crowd who just passes by? Or will we be like Jesus who decides to pause, meet a need, and maybe, just maybe, Jesus changes that person's life forever. And so the challenge is simply this, Moberly. P-A-U-S-E, the power of a pause. Can you imagine what would happen if the members of Moberly Baptist Church decided every single day, God, give me your spirit and your power to pause today. P, it starts with prayer. Lord, I want to see what you see. I want to have a heart to feel what you feel. God, I want to have hands that will reach down and serve. Help me to roll up my sleeves and get in the game. Give me feet that will run to meet need, not avoid need. God, I'm praying today, let me cross the path of one person who is spiritually blind, physically, maybe in need, that I can meet their need. And you just pray. A, give them your attention, undivided attention. When God gives you a divine interruption, you don't, you don't look past them. You don't look at your calendar seeing what else you've got to do. You don't rush to the next thing. No, you slow down and you give that person your attention. You know, if anybody had anything going on, it was Jesus. He was going to the cross and he slowed down long enough to give Bartimaeus his undivided attention. And then you, you know what he sought to do? He started to understand Bartimaeus' condition. Slowed down long enough. I'm sure when he started talking to Bartimaeus, his heart of compassion began to well up in him. Just understanding, again, this is someone's son. This is someone's brother. That leads to S, sympathy. What if that was our son? What if that was our brother? What if that was our mom? What if that was our dad? We sure would want somebody to slow down and meet that need in their life. 
And that leads to E, engage and meet the need. And listen, you can't meet the need of everyone that you're going to come in contact with, but you can meet the need of someone. And we should do for someone what we would do for everyone if we had the power and the resources to do it. And what would happen, Moberly, in Longview, Texas, and in the region surrounding it, if every single one of us went outside and every single day we said, God, you give me the power to just like you pause, meet needs, so that lives are changed forever. May it be so in the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me, heads bowed and eyes closed? I want us to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we bow our heads in this place and close this service out, Lord, we realize that we are all, we were Bartimaeus at one time. God, I was blind. There was a soul poverty there, and when you changed my life, you removed the scales from my eyes. And Lord, you became, according to the scriptures, poor so that I could become rich in you. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. If there's anyone here, God, that doesn't know you in a personal way, Lord, I pray that today they would know that right now you've hit the pause button and you will save them in a moment if they will just express their need. And Lord, I pray for Moberly Church. I pray, Father, that you would, because of today's message, create an army of believers who march into their community looking to meet needs in the name of Jesus so that lives can be changed forever. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.